you would please follow in the reading of the Word of God, beginning at verse 16, chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. Again, I say, let no one think me foolish, but if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I also may boast a little. What am I saying? Am I not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness and this confidence of boasting? Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. For you, being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, or anyone hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison, but whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness. I am just as bold myself. Father, help us to hear the Apostle Paul and the passion of his heart. And Father, as we look at our day and our age and we see what is going on in our society, what is going on in your church, and yet, Father, I think about the battle and the heartache the Apostle Paul is dealing with with these blessed saints in Corinth. Father, Search our hearts right now through the time of this message. And Father, um, lay it bare. Lay it bare. Because it is a, uh, a blight, a bane upon your redemptive work. And Father, let us not be found guilty. To the King of kings and Lord of lords, in Christ's name. Amen. What I do and what I have done in the years that I have been senior pastor, if you take the theological understanding for it, is textual thematic exposition. Basically what it is, is through the text. Okay, what is the theme of the text? And exposition means to explain the text. That's what I do. Uh, I will not change it. That is what is going on in this text right now. Paul is setting actually 16 through 21. If you really wanted to look at it, it's almost like a disclaimer for what is about to come next. Okay. It says, this is why I'm doing this. Okay. And basically what you have in chapter 11, 23 through 12, like 13, 12, 12. Is his defense. Okay. Paul hates that. And I'll show you why here in a minute. I'll show you his, his greatest. And, and, and I, and I pray that you guys have ears to hear. Okay. I start, stepped into this to show you humility. What is humility? Well, it is, uh, very difficult to find, actually. But let me give you, go back what I kind of touched on last week. Because if I show you what Scripture teaches on it, we all go, Amen. Because Scripture is, even in a cursory reading, you see humility. See, those who manifest humility will be heard by God when they pray. Listen, if your prayers ain't being answered... Perhaps there's a problem and it ain't God. All right. Two, 
They will be delivered by God when in trouble. Those who are humble. Those who are humble will have the privilege of enjoying the presence of God. Those who are humble will enjoy a long life, a prosperous life. Those who are humble will be the object of God's special attention and personal care. Those who are humble will be lifted up and exalted by God. Those who are humble will be the greatest in His kingdom. Those who are humble will receive the fullness of God's grace. Those who are humble will inherit the earth. Those who are humble will get eternal glory. That is what the humble get. That's just a cursory. On the other hand, is pride. Okay? Did you know that pride was a sin? Let me see if I can make it simple for you. Any form of it is a sin. Okay? Pride is hateful to God. Pride reflects self-righteousness. Pride is the greatest evidence of an unsanctified heart. You know what an unsanctified heart is? I will be a lost person. Okay? Scripture forbids it. Pride defiles a person. Because the person has been defiled in their pride, the person's mind is hardened. If the person's mind is hardened, it hinders their knowledge of God. If it hinders their knowledge of God, it stops spiritual development. Have you ever run into those who seem to have stopped? I can tell you why. It leads to contempt for God, contempt for His Word, and contempt for His servants. It produces fruit. It produces anger. It produces envy. It produces jealousy. It is self-deceptive. We are warned that God will resist the proud. He will judge the proud. He will punish the proud. He will destroy the proud. And yet, look around. Tell me what you see. The contrast that is going on in this text, started in chapter 10, is moving through 11 and 12, is you got plain old Paul versus the super apostles. The most eminent apostles is the New American Standard Translation, but it literally means the super apostles. Look at me. When I look at this, it is... When I think about humility, it is so easy to spot. You know why? It's so rare. When you run into it, it's like, wow, 
That's that's amazing. Listen, you want to know your real test of humility? If you had to go take a test, am I humble? Okay. The real test of humility is not can you survive your failures? Okay. The real test of humility, can you survive your successes and remain humble in your successes? I have seen pastor after pastor after pastor who followed the word of God, who preached the word of God, and God blessed them. And you know what their response was? Let me write a book on how to grow the church. They couldn't survive their successes. Anyone can be humble in their failures. It's actually simple if you think about it. And you know what? Here's the problem. The Apostle Paul was not having any failures. His life of ministry was powerful and his life of ministry was blessed. Could he defend himself... And say what was true and yet be humble at the same time. Now I got news for you. That is the hardest thing for a minister of God to do that exists on the planet earth. To remain humble knowing my successes. Because failures are easy. And when I read through this, I've shared with you guys many times, I probably spend more time with the Apostle Paul than I do anybody. When I read through this, and he starts explaining what he is doing, the more he gives on his quote-unquote apostolic credentials, the more humble you seem. When you read this phrase here, boastful, he speaks of foolishness in verse 16. He says in this confident boasting, what he's talking about is his defense, his personal defense. See, what happens is the false had come in behind the Apostle Paul and said, he's not a good speaker. He's not a powerful speaker. He doesn't command the room when he opens his mouth. He's not that much to look at. All right? He's not eloquent. He's just plain. You know, he doesn't even charge you. How important could his message be if he doesn't charge you? And do you know that when he leaves the congregation, he actually goes out and works with leather to put food on the table? So how powerful could he be in the hands of an awesome God? And yet, when I look through this text, it may be the most powerful and unique example of humility in all of Scripture. A man showing his humility 
when he has to defend himself. Because that's what the issue. Was Paul's message sent from God? Was Paul a messenger of God? Verse 16. Again, I say, let no one think me foolish. But if you do receive me even as foolish, so that I may boast a little. Okay, now he starts that in verse 1 of chapter 11. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. For indeed, you are bearing with me. Tolerate a little bit of this, would you? He is convinced that defending himself is foolish. Now think about it for a second. Because part of me, you know, I'm a few thousand years out of this. I look at it and say, you know what, Corinth? There's no church there if Paul don't show up. Well, God's sovereign. He could have. Yeah, he might have sent Timothy, but he didn't. He sent Paul. So you have this thing going on in this nasty city. And who was it that caused it? Who was the tool of God that brought it? Paul. Now he's moved on. He's in Ephesus. He's moved on. And these people have come in behind him. Because he spent a good time there and they were powerful. If you look at 1 Corinthians, he says, you are lacking nothing in spiritual gifts. So they were having an impact on their community. But he says it has become necessary for me to defend my credentials. But I want you to know that me having to do this. It's foolish. See, one of the things that I think we miss at times about the Apostle Paul. He was a theologian. This guy was brilliant. He was of the Pharisees. He had studied under Gamali. I mean, this guy had connections. All right. He was educated in higher education. He was born in Tarsus. If you were a citizen of Tarsus, guess what? Free college. So he would have gone to college. So you're not looking at a, a, a moron. You're, the way they would look at Peter and John. Well, that's a fisherman and a farmer. No, this guy's an intellectual. He would have known Proverbs 26, verse 5. Answer a fool as his folly deserves, but he not be wise in his own eyes. Do you see that? You answer the fool, but do not think that it is your wisdom. See, Paul knows these kind of things. And he looks at trying to defend himself. The, when, when you hear me speak of defending and you see in your Bible boasting, they're the same. Let me tell you what God has done through me. What is that? Defense. Let me tell you what it's doing. You know, we can look at our church as small as we are. We have seven daughter churches. Okay, in the lands of Russia, an orphanage that we take care of. All right. We have invested personally with the pastors. We have shown the pastors how 
to do this. How do you rightly divide truth? We did the same with Pastor Philip in, in Punjab. We do the same with Pastor Paul in Tedeman. All right. But see what you're missing in that? It is we. It ain't me. You know, I've got that little letter. I had to get Pastor Paul. He was going to show me all the things he wanted to do in uh, 2015. And he says, would you take this to your missions committee and pray about it? Ever since I received that email, I've been trying to find the missions committee. (laughs) Who are these people? Better yet, where are they? Do you see what I mean? Why? Because how does man do it? I have a great majority of people. And I can reach a great majority of more people. What I just shared with you on what we are reaching. Do you know that the Sunday school class is the smallest Sunday school class that we are involved in and supporting is larger than our church? Okay, did you plan that? Because if you did, you must be on the missions committee. I don't know how that works. I really don't know how that works. Why? But see, do you have to defend it? No, because I've asked people, people ask me, well, how do you do that? I don't know. We set out a long time ago that if they want the word, we're there. And that's it. Now, it doesn't mean we ain't built some houses of prayer. doesn't mean that we haven't helped. You know, I remember taking a... Uh, remind me to never do that again. Everybody decided they were going to make quilts for the orphanages. And I was going to take them. Um, I had... Uh, I'll never, ever... No, man, mail them. <laughs> because if anybody would have searched my bags, they'd have said, this guy's crazy. <laughs> he's, he's, I think he must be like cold-blooded. But I, I don't remember how many. I almost had 30 quilts that I put in them air shrink bag things. Oh, that was awful. But it, they still weigh. Because that's the thing that you know people don't understand. Well, yeah, but look how compact it is. It still has weight. I mean, you know, I was dragging this bag around thinking, oh, I still have to get on a train. But anyway, but, but I share these things because I want us to think about something because I, I, I'll go back to John Piper's quote from last week. Humility is not, quote, humility is not a popular trait in, in the modern world. It is not touted on the talk shows or celebrated in valid Victorian speeches or commended in diversity seminars or listed with corporate core values. And if you go to the massive self-help section of your sprawling mall bookstore, you won't find any titles celebrating humility. Isn't that true? Unquote. But there comes a time where we have to defend what is it we're doing. I get it on a regular basis. I, I am told that, what was that I was called one time? I'm, nobody wants to put new wine in an old wine bag. And and it just didn't seem that endearing to me. 
Uh, I've been called a lot of things, but I don't know if old wine bag was exactly something that, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the Apostle Paul looks at this and he says, it's a kind of insanity, but I still have to do it. So if you think me foolish, I wish you didn't. If you do, I understand. Because you know what? I think it's foolish that I have to do it. If you read the end of that verse right there, he says, but I also will boast a little. You know what the Greek word for little there, there is? Micron. You know what that means? Little. Little. His enemies, the false, they boast a lot. Tell me I'm wrong. really hasn't changed. The enemies of Paul, the enemies of the gospel, those who have a different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel, they boast endlessly. They boast greatly. And yet, because of their actions, they were forcing the Apostle Paul to boast a little bit. He says, but I know it's foolish. You should know that it's foolish. But right now, I don't have a choice. Listen, one of the things you need to understand that boasting, self-aggrandizement, I received a book this week from somebody that I've had some dealings with in the ministry. You turn it over to the back. You know how they give uh, people reference it. All it was was boasting. And, and I know the guy that the book is about, and he don't have to do that. But it was all of these people telling me how great this is. And I thought, we don't really need to do that. Because boasting is natural to false teachers. Boasting is natural to frauds. Let me tell you how great I have been. Let me tell you what I've done for God. Defense. Defending oneself is unnatural to true servants of God. It is unnatural to the Apostle Paul. And you know what? The Apostle Paul is excruciatingly reluctant to be put in this place, in this role. It's not him, and yet he must do it. How reluctant is the Apostle Paul? Well, very few times in the New Testament will you hear the Apostle Paul speak of himself. Now, you'll get a bunch of it out of the book of Acts, but who wrote that? Luke. Luke wrote it. Okay, why? Let me tell you about Peter and Paul. But, but that's, you're not going to hear it. The Apostle Paul despises it. There is nothing that hurt the Apostle Paul that caused him more grief than having to defend himself, to boast about what God has done. Okay? I can guarantee it. I can give you a biblical text to prove it. Verse 17. Read the verse. 
What I am saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness and this confidence of boasting. Cursory reading of that verse really isn't that big a deal. If you spend some time and you understand what he's dealing with right there, that's maybe one of the most amazing verses in all of Scripture. What I'm trying to say to you, what I'm trying to defend to you, what I'm getting ready to step into in verse 22 through chapter 12, I'm not following any example that Jesus ever did. Now think about that for a second. That's what the text says. This is Paul's greatest problem. This is why it is so hard for the Apostle Paul. Remember this man? Remember what he writes? For me to live is... Be followers of me as I am of... If I live, I live unto the Lord. If I die, I die unto the Lord. Whether I live or die, I am the Lord's. I press to the goal, the upward calling of Christ. This man's passion was to be like Christ. There was nothing secondary, thirdly, fourthly, fifthly. I have one goal. I am myopic and you aren't moving me from it. I will be as Christ. Verse 17 says, I have no model. I have no example of Christ doing this. Let me ask you a question. When did Christ boast? Of what he was doing. Well he never boasts. Alright. When did Christ. Defend. What he was doing. Did you ever think about that? I rattled my head when I read it. I am saying, I am not saying as Christ would. What I am saying, I have no example of my Savior ever doing this. And yet my passion is to be as Christ. In case you were wondering, when did Christ boast or when did he defend himself? The answer is very simple. He never did. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. He made a statement once I could call a legion of angels. But he didn't have to defend himself. If you back up to chapter 10, verse 1, when we moved into this, I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. He's referring to that of Christ. Jesus said, I am meek and I am lowly. Even when Jesus was reviled, even when Jesus was persecuted, he never defended 
himself. Pilate looked at him and says, you are king? What was his response? If I was a king, my people would fight for me. So, I want you to think about this. When we move through this series of messages over the next 12 years, no. <laughs> do you realize how troubling, how hard, how hurtful it is for the Apostle Paul to defend himself? Why? He doesn't like to defend himself. He doesn't like boasting about his ministry. It is foolish to him because and foremost is there is no example of Jesus Christ ever doing it. You were saved for a reason. Did you know that? Do you know that heaven ain't got nothing to do with it? I mean, it is a bonus. Okay. You were saved Romans 8.29. You were foreknown and predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. All Christ did when he was falsely accused was to take it silently. And you know what? It bothers Paul that he has to do this. It is one of the most troubling things that I have seen the Apostle Paul struggle with. In my readings of this man. Why? It is not an example of Christ. If it's not. Now I want you to think about this for a second. If it's not an example of Christ. Is it difficult for you? Or is it easy for you? Well, that'll poke you, won't it? Paul understood that to defend himself, to boast of what God was doing, was to be an example of his enemies. To be an example of his accusers. They had forced him to this, and it was not something that Christ did. And you know what? This may have been the hardest thing for the Apostle Paul to ever do. Why? It's foolishness. God has put me into this place to do these things. Why do I defend it? If I have to try to defend it, then what example do I follow? This was hard for Paul. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to close with this. Just this thought. Is it hard for you? Is it hard for you? Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Paul understood when he wrote to the Romans that we are going to be conformed into the image of Christ. The reason that the church is not reaching the lost right now is what is the example that we give them? We give them the same example that the world gives them. Same example. Oh, we can get people in. Dude, I can get a big screen TV next weekend. Free hot dogs and beer. 
I can pack this place. But I'll look just like the world. And one of the things that I was impassioned by this is that what I am saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness and this confidence of boasting. It is foolish for me to defend myself. It is foolish for me to boast on this. Uh, you know why? Because my Lord and my Savior never, ever, ever defended Himself. How about you? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for my brother Paul, our brother Paul. Father, may we press on for the upward calling. May we press on, each of us individually, not blaming our spouses, not blaming our kids, not blaming the education system, not blaming anything that the society throws at, but may we have the passion of the Apostle Paul in being Christ-like. May people see us and see Christ. May they be overwhelmed by the presence of Christ. And Father, may we understand it is His glory, His glory alone. Father, I look at this man who was a blasphemer, a murderer, an enemy. And Father, you touched his soul that his passion was to be as Christ. Help us, Lord, to have that same passion. In Christ's name, amen.